The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to episode number five of Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am your humble host, Joe Galina, and each week you are treated to the fantastic fantasy baseball analysis of my co-host, Scott Chu. How's it going, Scott? Pretty good. I thought for sure you couldn't be talking about me uh, with that kind of lead in, but you know, here, here I am. I'll do my best to live up to those lofty ideals. There you go. Give yourself some credit. You're the man. So uh, we're recording this pod on Saturday, March 20th, just to give you a reference point. Opening day, less than two weeks away, Thursday, April 1st. Uh, a lot of drafts took place this past weekend because uh, you're listening to this uh, starting on Monday. And there are even more scheduled for this week and next weekend. It's go time, Scott, right? Uh, all the weeks and months of draft prep are being put to the test right now. Yeah. What's weird is that so many of my leagues have shifted to a slow draft format. But I've been in multiple drafts at the same time for what feels like 16 years, but it's probably more <laughs> like two or three weeks. You know, between TGFBI, RAS Slam, a bunch of our PL community leagues. So if you join PL Plus, plug, plug, uh, you can be in our staff and community leagues. We've got more staff leagues. We're going to talk about a bit more of that today. Mm -hmm. But just constantly in drafts and auctions. I've had two auto neo drafts. I had no idea what I was doing, but it was still a lot of fun. So this was weird. This is the first time I started and finished a draft on the same day. Uh, at all. So that was, I forget how foreign that feels to me now after all these slow drafts, but, but it was a lot of fun. And now I remember why, uh, that is sort of the default classic go-to way to do it. If you ever can. <laughs> Back in the day, uh, the first league I played in was a work league and you still had access obviously to the internet, but we would just, you know, take each other's picks throughout the day at work and, and the draft, you know, I didn't realize that we were, doing what, what we're doing today back then, you know, the, the slow draft, it would take us about a week and it would make the day at work pass. And, you know, somebody would come over and say, yeah, I just picked this guy. Who, who do you want to take? And then at the end of the draft, they would enter all the names into uh, CBS sports and uh, CBS sports happens to be one of my favorite platforms to play on. Uh, I don't, do you have a, a favorite there, Scott? It really depends on the league format. I, I mm -hmm. don't, I have nothing against CBS, but because I've had so few leagues on it, I mm -hmm. tend to avoid leagues on there because if there's one piece of advice I have on this topic, it's try to limit the number of sites you have teams on. Because if you're, if you're like me and you join a ton of teams because you love this game, 
you're going to forget about some of them if they're on their own site. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like fan tracks for dynasty leagues because they have such a deep pool of players. They let you do a lot of customization. I'm not crazy about it for redraft because it lacks some of the, uh, the frills, but they sort of exchange that for such a depth of options and players for everyday leagues. I don't have a preference between Yahoo or ESPN. I really just prefer whatever everyone else is comfortable with. I have plenty of leagues on both. There are pros and cons of each. I mean, I like Yahoo's, I mean, really Yahoo's app is what stands out to me. And because this game is almost entirely played on cell phones now, believe Mm -hmm. it or not, Mm -hmm. uh, it, it is, it is nice, but there's a lot of people who don't like the position eligibility thing that Yahoo's got going on. Very so if liberal. you're more of a pure, yeah. yeah, if if you're more of a purist, I can see why you might prefer a format like ESPN. Mm-hmm. And, and you bring up the position eligibility. That's something to really take note of because when it comes to Yahoo, they're using position eligibility back from 2019. So yeah. a guy like Brandon Lowe is eligible first base, second base, and outfield where in other platforms he might just be eligible and just second at second base right now. So that's something to really uh, you know, pay attention to. And obviously also if you're going to be playing multiple platforms, if you have the opportunity and, you know, we're winding down, there's a little less than two weeks to draft, but try to do as many mock drafts on each platform that you, as you can. This way that you're, you feel more comfortable with how to put someone in a queue and then, and then draft them, stuff like that. Not only that, the one thing that really stood out to me in this draft, and I talked about it on the little live stream we did with Nick, you know, all 15 of us that were watching it, mostly those of us in the league, but we had a lot of fun with it. But I had not really paid attention to how Yahoo ranked players, right? Mm. So there were players I was really looking for that for whatever reason I thought were gone, Mm -hmm. but they were actually just buried in Yahoo's ranks because for whatever... And once they get buried, they're actually hard to uncover because if they're not, if you can't sort them easily by the Yahoo rank or X rank, it probably pushes them down the Yahoo ADP, mm-hmm. which means no matter which way you sort it, you're going to get kind of stuck with like not being able to find this guy. So that happened a few times and I can't remember specific players off the top of my head, but there were guys who was like, he must still be in the player pool. I didn't see anyone draft him. I would have noticed, but I couldn't yeah, get him in my yeah. queue because I couldn't find him. Yeah. If you have guys like that, maybe you can put a note in your cell phone or even on pencil and paper. And then, you know, maybe if you get to the draft room, let's say either very early or the day before, then you could just use a search button and then, you know, find them that way. But you're right. I mean, if, if you're in a live draft and, you know, you're pressed for time, sometimes that you might not have the ability to find that player that you're looking for. Yeah. That timer starts going quick when oh, yeah. you're panicking. Right. Like it feels like the more panicked you are, the faster they move that clock. Mm-hmm. And it, it can be it can be rough if you're not ready. You know, luckily, I had my own set of ranks. Well, actually, mm-hmm. a couple of them that I sort of reference. So I had players to search for if I couldn't find them quickly. But uh, you really don't want to be doing that very often. You want to be able to have those guys already in your queue because the human brain is designed to only be able to think about so many options at one time. And if you're simply sorting by ADP or anything like that, we'll talk more about this in a bit, but your brain's going to struggle because you have too many options. So you right. really want to be whittling it down as much as you can so that you can make better choices instead of being like a four-year-old in the cereal aisle, seeing every sugared cereal that there is and just being paralyzed by choice. Do you have a favorite uh, 
sugary cereal, by the way, since you brought it oh, up? Oh, I love, I love sugary cereals. The doctor told me I have to watch my sodium. So I've been eating a lot of Honey Smacks. That's a low <laughs> sodium. I was surprised how much sodium's in cereal sometimes, but right. uh, Honey Smacks. Yeah, I always liked them. And now that I know that they're super low sodium, uh, I've been all over it. Lo- mm-hmm. Love the Honey Smacks. Yeah, I don't really eat too many more uh, of the uh, sugary cereals, but uh, one that stands out to me, Cocoa Pebbles. You know, the, the, that's that Flintstone cereal. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, you know, you put the milk in and then after a while you, you're drinking chocolate milk. So it's great. But I, I digress. You, you mentioned it. and I just had to ask. So the league that you're referencing and speaking about is the Pitcher List Podcast Network Fantasy Baseball League. Try saying that quickly. Right. So uh, you drafted the league on behalf of the Hacks and Jacks podcast uh, this past Friday. And uh, it's a head to head league, 14 teams. Each uh, represented a uh, pitcherless podcast, uh, including uh, our fearless leader, Nick Pollock, was in it as well. Yahoo standard format, first base, second base, shortstop, third base, uh, two utility spots, three outfielders, and you're starting eight pitchers as well. So just real quick, how does your draft strategy change when you're doing drafting a roto-style league as opposed to a head-to-head league? I think the one thing that's most obvious in terms of what you can do is punting categories becomes a lot more palatable in a head-to-head league uh, in, in two ways. Number one, if you're punting things like batting average or really, I mean, let me start with just punting in general. In Roto, that kills you because in Roto, it's all about accumulation. You mm-hmm. accumulate throughout the season. So you can... You know, if you want to load up on stolen bases, it doesn't matter when you get the stolen bases. It just matters that you get them before the end of the season, mm-hmm. right? Same for batting average. It doesn't matter how the batting average comes and goes. It just matter what it ends up at at the end of the season. In head-to-head, that's simply not the case. It matters week to week. So you could, I mean, this is an extreme example, but you could have the most stolen bases in your league, but still only win your stolen stolen bases matchups 50 to 75% of the time. Now that's mm-hmm. unlikely, but right. stolen bases are an interesting point because they often come in bunches. Saves are another one. You can be loaded up on closers and still struggle to win your saves categories in certain weeks because your pitchers just didn't get wins or saves that week. Right. Right. Like the team had some tough matchups and you didn't get them. And while mm-hmm. at the end of the season, that'll all balance out, it's going to kill you week to week. So punting categories like stolen bases you might not lose every single time, right? And also, you've got more categories to play with. You're not trying to get like the most points. You're just trying to straight up wins and losses. It doesn't matter how you get them. It just matters that you get the wins and losses. So, you know, punting things like batting average, you'll still win batting average some weeks because mm-hmm. Joey Gallo doesn't bat 200 the whole season. Right. He bats like 500 for little spurts and then zero for longer spurts, mm-hmm. right? So, you can you can play a little more with punting. I, I don't rec- I never recommend punting as a strategy heading into the draft. But if you're in the draft and realize you don't have stolen bases or saves at some point in the draft and it's too late to get them, you can start deciding whether or not you want to pivot towards, mm-hmm. okay, look, I don't have any top end closers. Maybe I'll grab some very, very late, but I'm not going to try to catch up because I'll just let it go. And if if saves fall to me, that's great but I'm not pressured to really feel like I need to catch up in right. saves or stolen bases, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it just, it's not, not necessary. And, and this league had a lot of interesting thing, things going on with it. And I didn't feel I needed to punt very many categories, mm-hmm. but saves ended up being one of them uh, right, in a way, right. 
I, I did a, a, a pseudo punt because mm-hmm. it got to the point where I kept missing my targets. I got to the end and thought, you know what? I'll grab like four of them and see what sticks. And I'm going to win this category a couple weeks because I'm going to get lucky. And the guy that you drafted last overall is projected to have 20 plus saves, which I found fantastic. So we'll we'll get to that. But yeah, uh, just a quick thing on on punting categories. And I don't do it anymore. But years ago, you know, I I played in this uh, this five uh, category Roto League and I always used to punt saves and actually it worked out for me you know because what it allowed me to do was load up on better starting pitchers and i would win the wins category and the strikeouts category so you know and then what ended up happening was some other people in the league started copycatting me because i ended up winning the league a couple times believe me i don't win too many leagues i've lost tons more than i've won but just just as an aside because you mentioned punting, you know, and I don't do it anymore because look, the fantasy game has changed a lot over the past 10, 20 years. The fantasy baseball player, the fantasy football players become much more sophisticated, much more information available to them. So uh, you really can't, can't do what I, I did years ago. I mean, when I, in 2019, I got ninth overall in the TGFBI and I did it punting steals. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I punted steals. Um, I got a couple throughout the season. And when I say punt, I, I should really clarify, and I, I want to make this point before we move on. When I say punt, I mean punt in the draft. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to try to get saves or s- stolen bases or something in the season using right. the waiver wire or anything like that. It just means in the draft, not using your draft resources. Mm-hmm. You can still try to get them later. You've got trades. You've got, you know, some leagues don't allow trades, but you still got the waiver wire. You can still get saves or stolen bases, you're just deciding that it's no longer beneficial or profitable to try to do so in the draft. And I really want to make that clear because I think sometimes people think that because you punted saves or stolen bases in the draft means you're automatically taking a one in the roto category or you're going to lose this every week. That's not necessarily true. You're not going to win that category, Mm -hmm. but you could climb your way up to a four, to a five in a roto league just with a couple of free agent acquisitions, a couple savvy a couple savvy moves here and there, a couple very sure. late round picks. It's possible. And, and you're not giving up on that. You're just saying in this draft, I'm no longer going to try to prioritize this category. Yeah. And the, the draft is just the beginning, right? And now the real work starts where you have to actually manage this team, you know, work the waiver wire. And, you know, if, if your t- uh, league allows trades and to make some, some trades that uh, can help your team. And uh, at the same time, you know, help uh, the other person's team as well. But, Hopefully, uh, they're not ahead of you in the standings when you're helping them. <laughs> so why don't we get down to breaking down this this draft that uh, you took part in on uh, Friday night. We had the eighth pick overall, and in the first round, you took Jose Ramirez, third baseman for Cleveland. I did, and mildly controversial uh, if if you're of a certain type, because Garrett Cole was on the board. I was going to ask and... you about him, yeah. Yeah. And of course you are right. A lot of people would. And this is actually me following some very serious advice that I've tried to give in the past. And it has nothing to do with Jose Ramirez or Garrett Cole or the comparison of the two. The fact is I have not done a mock draft or real draft this season where I took a pitcher in the first round. Mm -hmm. I haven't done it. I did not feel comfortable building a team that way and didn't feel I was giving up 
a lot of value in terms of, you know, the only comparison I did of the two is, is one way ahead of the other for me. And I, I'm really rosy on Jose Ramirez. I knew Jose Ramirez would not come back to me through the no, term. Yeah, he would uh, and I felt their values, you know, I've, I've got some auction values. This is a good way. If you're, even if you're just doing a regular snake draft, having auction values available that you trust to some degree is really helpful because it helps you understand the difference between a guy who's maybe three spots lower on your list. Cause those gaps between players in your rankings are not equal all the way down, right? There, there are bigger gaps, right? Like you'll find these cliffs, like, you know, I, I tiered the rankings we did at the pitcher list, uh, hitter rankings, because there are little cliffs that happen between the tiers and you got to know what those are. I felt like I was getting very similar value. And more importantly, I knew how to draft a team starting with Jose Ramirez. Mm -hmm, I felt mm -hmm. comfortable being able to target pitching a little later on. I did not know how I was going to do that without taking a hitter first. Mm -hmm. So it's a very much a comfort level thing for me. And had we both been in the draft and you felt comfortable taking a picture pitcher first, I would have mm -hmm. been like, absolutely. You know, right. I, I think most people, including myself, do have Garrett Cole ranked higher. I just don't know how to draft that way. Mm -hmm. I, I have not done it. I've not done the pocket aces thing. I haven't done any of that, even though I preach always trying it because I hadn't tried it. I'm not going to do it in the draft for the first time. Like you, I have not taken a picture in either, any of uh, my real drafts. I have played around with it in, in my mock drafts, and I'm happy with Jose Ramirez. How can't you be happy with him? You know, 5-2 uh, production, of course. But in this instance, I might have, if we were in the in the draft together, I might have mentioned it to you, and then I would have listened to what you said, and I'd probably gone with what you know you recommended. But in this situation, I think it, it just merits consideration, uh, you know, especially in this. And I, I get why... You know, you went with a third baseman as opposed to any thought to Christian Yelich, but probably not when you're only starting three outfielders, right? Yeah, that was the other really big consideration. There was Christian Yelich there. I value the two of them very, very similarly. The two things were, I mean, one, it's a three outfield league, and mm -hmm. I really felt I could build outfield. You know, early in the draft, that first that like, you know, I split the first tier of outfield sort of in half, like into one and one and a half. And if any of the ones had been there, they weren't going to be. But had they been there, uh, that was absolutely the pick. I don't care that it's only three outfield when it comes to Juan Soto, Mike Trout, Ronald Acuna, Mookie Betts. Mm -hmm. It could be a two outfield league. I'm still picking one of those guys. Right. After that, I'm not saying a position scarcity matters, but in a three outfield league, I feel very comfortable building outfield well, mm -hmm. especially in Yahoo where a lot of guys have – outfield eligibility and those outfield guys can also be in the infield. You get all that flexibility. Third base has guys that are flexible, but to me, Jose Ramirez, and, and I did this in the rankings tier of his own. There's Jose Ramirez is the number one third baseman and I don't have anyone else in his tier. So it, it was just, it was just enough to tip the scale to say, okay, let's take Jose Ramirez. Maybe an outfielder comes back to me. And if not, I'll build that position later. Yeah. And third base is a deep position. But like any other position, you wait too long, and it's not so deep anymore. And I found that out. I'm in a, a pitcherless staff draft, and I waited a while for third base, and I'm in the 11th or 12th round, and I just had to end up taking Justin Turner because uh, uh, Josh Donaldson went and whatnot. So Justin Turner, you know, he'll, he'll hit for some average. He'll 
probably hit lower 20 some odd home runs and whatnot. But, you know, like I said, third base could be a deep position, but any position you wait too long, you're going to be in trouble. But uh, and even though on. it's deep, yeah. Jose Ramirez to me was the best one. Oh, yeah. clearly mm-hmm. no debate. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not so it's not even so much the depth as it was. I don't care how deep it is. He's definitely the best one mm-hmm. and as good as any of these other players I'm considering. Yep. So I'm in. And I'm in on this second pick that you made in the, in the second round. Cody Bellinger, eligible at first base and outfield. You know, there are only, I think, five, according to Steamer, only five players projected to hit 40 or more home runs, and he's one of them. And, and Cody Bellinger, I think last season at this time, was going, his average ADP was like number four. So I, I love this pick. Yeah, that's because the ceiling is MVP candidate. Right. I mean, that's true of a lot of guys that were taking early in the draft in the first two rounds. I was really happy Bellinger came to me Um, again. I felt like there was still so I have Cody Bellinger in tier one and a half. And part of that decision on Jose Ramirez was thinking, I bet one of my tier one and a half guys can come back to me. And the gap between Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger exists. There's a gap there. But to me, it wasn't as big as, say, Jose Ramirez and the guy who went right after my next pick, which was Anthony Rendon, right? Mm -hmm. I like Rendon a lot, but to me, Jose Ramirez is a very, is truly in a tier above that where, you know, Yelich to Cody Bellinger, I don't feel there's a tier gap in there. I know Yelich's upside's insane, but he's also struggled a little bit and he has some of the same issues as Bellinger where we've seen him be amazing. We've seen him be not so amazing. So I, I really like that I was able to do that. And that first base outfield eligibility, which is on every site, you know, Cody Bellinger can play either way mm-hmm. in a 14 team league, even though we don't have corner infield spots, I might find that I can't find a first baseman that I like throughout the draft, but I bet in a three outfield league, I could find another outfield if I needed to. So it gives me that flexibility that doesn't add value to the player, but it does help me as I'm drafting in terms of draft strategy and preparing for not just this current pick, but what's going to happen next, especially when you're in the middle of the draft, like I was, you're kind of able to plan for your, you know, two picks at the same time. I can make this pick and then the next pick. You'll find that when you're close to the ends that you can do that. And when you're right in the middle of the draft, you can do that. But when you're on like, when you're on the front end, you, you can make your first pick and then your next pick, but then you can't really decide what your next pick will be for a while. In the middle, you can always be thinking about the next pick, which right. which I really like, and Ballinger helps me do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, four starting pitchers went in the first round, five uh, went in the second round. So pretty heavy uh, movement on pitchers so far. Yeah, w- that's so weird, right? A, a site <laughs> called Pitcher List, and yeah, they, right? they like <laughs> pitchers. You might have noticed this in the other staff leagues you're doing. They go fast. Uh-huh. So um, I I readily admit that I am not as good at analyzing pitching as those guys. You know, I'm not Nick Pollock. I'm not you know, really any of these guys. And a lot of them are pitching specialists to a, you know, to a degree. I've read their work. They're all very they're all very bright, and they know pitchers better than I do. So I'm not going to try to jump them on pitchers. I'll uh, I'll stick with what I know, and that's mm-hmm. hitting. I hear you. Round three, you went with uh, Marcel Ozuna, uh, another. Great power hitting outfielder who hit for average. Two picks later was Eloy Jimenez. On a personal level, just because I don't own him anywhere, I think I would have went Jimenez. I own Zuna in another league, and I really shouldn't say own. I I I, I roster him, uh, but um, so that that was just a personal thing, just because I'd like to you know try to 
roster as many different players as possible just because it's fun, you know? But uh, I, I like the pick with Ozuna. Yeah, and I did too. And the funny thing is, I was sort of on the other side. I, I, I have a lot of shares. I have a lot of teams with Ozuna on the team, right? I have drafted him all over the place. And in the rankings I did for pitcher list, which are, you know, I, I don't want to say they're my exact rankings because Nick Pollock got to make, you know, make some executive decisions, influence those rankings. But this part always stayed the same. I have Ozuna right ahead of Eloy Jimenez. And it's mostly because, you know, they're both in great lineups. They're both in situ- both in great situations. They can both hit a ton of home runs. They can both hit for a lot of batting average. It's it's really just personal preference. I like Ozuna. I loved what I saw from him last season in Atlanta. I think he can definitely do that again. I think the lineup in Atlanta, it's not as flashy as the White Sox, but there's still a lot of really good pieces there, especially at the top. You know, he's going to have Acuna, Albies, Freeman, and then Ozuna. And I love that to death. I, that is as deep as any lineup in the top four, if not the deepest. Yeah. And I, I'm all over it. And, and he just, he crushed the ball. And we've seen him be disappointing before, but there was always another explanation. It wasn't, it was never like luck or skill. It was always, oh, we find out that he's had this long-term shoulder injury and that impacted him when he was in St. Louis. We find all these other things, but when he's healthy, holy cow, he is among the best hitters in the outfield, right? Like he won't be Acuna, Betts, Trout, Soto, but he can start pushing some of those other guys in terms of just raw home runs, RBI run scored. He can't steal bases like Bellinger or Harper can, but after that, like he's, he's just so good. And when he's healthy, just so consistent. And it's not like he's always missing time every year. He tends to play Mm -hmm. through these injuries that makes it hard to track, but I I was very excited to get him. And, you know, if, if you had asked me, begged me to do Eloy, I would have done it, but you weren't there. So I didn't have to care. And I picked the guy I like, and that's Ozuna. <laughs> I don't mind uh, having Ozuna uh, at all. And so far you've done a great job because we have like about a hundred home runs here. Like, like I, I pencil in Bellinger for 40 and 30 each for Jose Ramirez and Marcelo Ozuna. And our batting average is, is pretty decent at, at this stage, you know. Um, let me ask you, in, in this round, any thought to going Adalberte Mondesi and just, you know, getting the 40-50 steals or 30-40-50 steals or whatnot and just, you know, putting it to bed? Nope. Okay. <laughs> right. right. That's that simple. He's, he's not someone I've drafted. He's not someone that's, you know, I have him ranked. But if you noticed where I've ranked him, which is like ninth or something at shortstop, what I've really done is taken him off my board. Mm-hmm. Right, because somebody has him a lot higher. I don't like this kind of player, particularly in head-to-head, because him stealing ten bases in one week in Roto is amazing. Because you get to keep those ten stolen bases forever. That's not what happens in head-to-head. Every week, our steals refresh. They mm-hmm. reset. They go back to zero. Yeah. I don't need to win steals by a lot. In fact, there I don't really yeah. prioritize steals at all. So, like getting mm-hmm. some from Jose Ramirez is great. And the fact that he does steal some means I can be competitive in that category. But I don't need to win that category. Stolen bases is the one category with the lowest correlation to all the others, right? So batting average has correlations to runs scored and RBI. Home runs and RBI have a lot of correlation. Runs scored and home runs have correlation. Stolen bases has very little core, very little correlation with any of the others because you can just steal bases and not do anything else well. Like the classic Billy Hamilton, right? Didn't do anything else well, but he did steal a bunch of bases. So I'm not saying I'm punting this category, but I'm saying I'm never going to prioritize stolen bases in a head-to-head format like this. Mm -hmm. 
I was a little surprised that DJ LeMahieu uh, went 42nd overall. According to what I see, he goes, you know, maybe his ADP is somewhere around number 25. Yeah, he does. And it was interesting to me as well. The thing is, and this is not to say that I bump him down in my rankings at all or anything like that. I find, especially, well, first, I already had two infielders, right? Mm -hmm. That I was always going to start over DJ LeMahieu. So if I had Cody Ballinger at first, he's going to start over LeMahieu. I've got Jose Ramirez at third. He's always going to start over LeMahieu. So it was really just a second baseman. I liked my other second base targets. And in this format where you just start the first base, second base, third base, no middle infield, no corner infield, yeah. those positions are deeper than they would originally feel in a, you know, like an NFBC style league where you've also got to fill that middle and that corner. Mm-hmm. His position eligibility matters, but in Yahoo, it's sort of at its least importance because there's so many multi-eligible players at every single position, basically. And you're really just drafting, I think, decent power, 25 to 30 home run power and a really good batting average. But, you know, at this point, I've already got that, right? Like, I've got Ozuna higher on my board than I do LeMayu. Uh, Not by much, but a little. And I'm looking, I'm like, all the things that he can give to me, I've already got. I don't need them. Right, right. So we're moving into round four. And I love this pick of uh, Blake Snell. Uh, The other pitcher that went earlier the other two pitchers that went earlier in this round zach galen and kenta maeda if they were there would you have taken either one of those or was snell somebody that you were targeting shag and flies broke my heart taking maeda there i really yeah. wanted kenta maeda i i have a lot you know i have a lot of teams with kenta maeda on them because i loved what i saw when he was in minnesota and as much as we can talk about oh he hasn't pitched that many innings before he's been injured he also had, you know, this horrible affliction known as dodgeritis for so long and just wasn't getting the opportunities. They liked to move him around a lot. He looked amazing as a starter in Minnesota and I was yep. all over it. I didn't get him. So I had, I really felt I wanted to get a pitcher or two in the next two rounds because of the way the draft was shaping up and how strong I felt my hitting foundation was. I can finally start considering some investment there. And I had to take a guy that I knew the most. And I wrote a fairly lengthy article about the trades that occurred uh, with, you know, involving the Padres. And so I did a very deep dive on Blake Snell. And sometimes in a draft, you'll find that you're under the, you know, you're under the gun, mm-hmm. you're in a crunch. Who do I take? I'm going to take the guy I know that I've researched the most because I, I like what I'm getting. I like Snell. I think that even if he's not, you know, this is not a quality starts league. So I don't necessarily care if he goes, the full 16th. Although I think that the Padres can do that. They have a strong bullpen, but they're not as aggressive as the Rays as pulling pitchers. I think that he's going to a, uh, a very similar in terms of uh, pitching environment. It's very similar in terms of it's not, you know, it's not like he's suddenly going to end up in this hitter friendly park. He was in a pitcher friendly park in Tampa Bay. He's in a fairly pitcher friendly park in San Diego. He's got a really strong defense behind him. And you know, the stuff is filthy, right? Like the Padres were never going to I know this is just anecdotal, but the Padres are never going to do what the Rays did in the World Series. They are never going to pull Snell when he's grooving and he's not at a high pitch count. They're going to let him pitch. The Rays mess with that because that's their team philosophy. I'm not necessarily saying that's right or wrong, but in terms of fantasy value for a guy like Snell, I want him in the game, especially if he's still got bullets left. And, you know, there's argument whether or not he did in that particular situation. Um, it didn't work out well for the Rays, but I, I think I really he thinks like, he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And you know, I, I really like, I really like Snell. Um, 
you know, obviously I also like Darvish going there as well, but I've, you can't get him at this pick. So uh, I, I went with Snell. Yeah. And I love taking Snell here. You know, I've done this before in other drafts that I've been involved in when I've waited on, on starting pitching and uh, he's going to help our team in uh, all four categories except saves, you know, for pitching. So I love the pick. Yeah. And, and I mean, as we, uh, I'm going to steal the little hosting light from you here. I had sure. been planning on at least, you know, I knew that in the next couple of rounds, cause I'd invested so heavily on hitting early. Now I can start thinking about pitching. So I'm going to target pitchers. And the only way I'm getting a hitter is if a guy who uh, I anticipated to go earlier than this is still around, which happens. Mm-hmm. But the very next guy, you're, you're going to think like, Oh man, you're going into a season with Blake Snell as your ace. I'm like, yeah, that's a, li- I mean, you might think that's a little behind the eight ball there, but I, in this strategy, I'm not relying on an ace. I'm going to draft a little cluster of guys to be at the mm-hmm. top of my rotation. Mm-hmm. And while I might not be as strong as I'm obviously not as strong as the people that took a, like a first or second round ace early, I can be as deep as they are through three pitchers, right? Through four pitchers. I don't have to match them pitcher for pitcher as long as top to bottom, my rotation is just as good. So I picked a guy that I, I don't want to say I'm hyping him because there's only so much you can hype a guy who's a former Cy Young winner. I, I made this joke before, but I wanted a Cy Young winner. I wanted one that's in the East. I wanted one that has the lowest ERA since the start of 2019 among qualified pitchers. And that's not Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> that's Hyunjin Ryu, right? He is an NL Cy, winner, Cy Young winner, even though he's now in the American League. And he does, since the start of 2019, has the lowest ERA in baseball. He doesn't have the same strikeouts as like DeGrom or Garrett Cole or anything, but he's been absolutely lights out. There's just, there's no way around it. It's not luck. He's a very, very good pitcher when healthy and he's been healthy lately. Right. And I'm not going to sit here and say, I know he's going to be healthy in the future, but the upside is the best ERA in baseball because that's what he's been doing. So I'm all about it. I love that I could get in there and Snell plus Ryu isn't the best one, two combination in this league. But, you know, because especially because shagging flies who broke my heart on Maeda have Cole then Maeda is their top two. But I'm starting the foundation of being deep through, you know, three or four pitchers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I love it. Like you mentioned, you mentioned health and he's been healthy lately. Uh, just concerned about maybe durability over a 162 game season after uh, like everyone else having to live through a 60 game season. But I think it's it's worth the, the risk. And I don't think the risk is that high uh, going with a guy like Ryu. And just looking ahead, other pitchers that went after him, Sonny Gray, Max Fried, Jose Berrios, uh, Charlie Morton. I like Morton, but uh, from those, that group of starting pitchers, you got to love Ryu a lot more than that group that I just read off. Yeah, and I'm with you that it'd be like Ryu then Morton, right? But, um, you know, like comparing the two, we've got similar durability concerns to an mm-hmm. extent. Um Morton doesn't have the lowest DRA in baseball since start of 2019. He, he's been great. Like, oh, yeah. don't get me wrong. He's been he very good. He was very strong but, last year too. But yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, like between those two, like I've got Ryu higher. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah. You know, yeah. they're both on good teams. They both can get wins. I've got Ryu higher there. And uh, it, it was an easy pick for me then. Although I did kind of hope Morton might come back, but he didn't. And I, I wasn't terribly surprised. Right. And just, uh, just going to make note of the fact that the first two closers go, go off the board in round five, Josh Hader and Liam Hendricks. So uh, we can move on to round seven. Now you 
went uh, starting pitching again with uh, Zach Wheeler. Yeah, and, and we've uh, probably not intentionally. We, we passed over round six. I did take Brandon Lowe. I mentioned earlier that the only reason oh, sorry. I yeah, would, okay, yeah, good. no, you're fine. <laughs> the only reason I would do that is because a hitter slipped further than I mm-hmm. anticipated. That's exactly what happened there. I didn't have a second baseman. I realized that, you know, I had a bit of a tear break here at second base. And so I wanted to, to grab someone that I felt good about. I didn't really want to wait any longer. Second base is deeper in Yahoo than it is on any other format. Cause guys like Lords Guriel jr. Are yeah. second base eligible, yes. but I like low better than I like Lords Guriel jr. And also uh, I really like low in general. And again, he's got a little bit of outfield flexibility because technically I've only drafted one outfielder, but I've also drafted three by this mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. now that I've taken, uh, you know, Lau out of Tampa Bay. And so I felt really good about that. And it was just one of those things where he kept sitting at the top of my queue for so long that eventually I was like, well, I might as well take him now, right? Because yeah. I like him more than the rest of the guys on my board by a considerable margin. But then yeah. I went to Zach Wheeler, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And again, that was part of the strategy. I wanted to be three deep at starting pitcher. And it's not an elite three, but it's very strong three. Mm-hmm. You know, like my three and other teams three are going to be comparable. I might be a little bit behind, but I feel I can make that up with contributions from later pitchers, relief pitchers, streamers, but I can stay, these three can keep me in contention with anybody else, especially on a week to week basis, right? This isn't Roto. I don't need to worry about full season numbers. I need to work, worry week to week and Ryu Wheeler Snell week to week are going to keep me with, you know, keep me in the race with anybody, right? They're not going to set me ahead, but if I'm behind, it's not by much. I'm in that race, and that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Joe Musgrove was picked after Wheeler, and so was Ian Anderson. Were you concerned at all, or did you give any thought to Musgrove? And were you concerned at all maybe drafting two pitchers from the same rotation, from the same team? Yeah, so drafting two pitchers from the same rotation doesn't bother me. Like, if I'm in a draft and I can get Darvish and Snell, I- I'm doing it, right? Like, that's a, that's oh, not yeah. a concern. That's not a concern for me at all. Um, I, I felt comfortable with Wheeler there. He was the highest guy on my board at the time. So Nick Pollock ranks him 22nd overall at at starting pitching. Mm -hmm. And so like, that was, I mean, that's, that's a, that's more than enough for me. Right. I don't know as much as he does, but he was the highest starting pitcher left on the board. He actually ranks them above Hyunjin Ryu. And I disagree with that, but whatever. Um, fact is I was able to get that kind of value. So I, I leave with, three of Nick's top 25 pitchers at this stage of the draft. And and that's what I wanted. And that's what I got. So, yay. There you go. Round eight. And I, I like this pick as well. We, we spoke about him when we did our shortstop preview, Carlos Correa. Talk about him in terms Well, number one, I mean, injuries have been a problem with him, but if he could just play a, a full complement of 150 games, we're looking at, uh, a potential superstar here, right? And who's on the last year of his contract as well. I don't know if that means anything to you. Uh, you know, I do look at that sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, on one hand, I had Javier Baez is usually a guy that I found falls in drafts more than he should. And I had hoped to take advantage of that. That didn't happen here. You know, obviously there was someone else in the room that was interested in Javier Baez as a rebound guy. So I, I kept, I waited and waited at shortstop. It got to the point where, you know, I'm not a big Dansby Swanson guy, especially now that I think he's going to be batting like sixth or seventh as opposed to second in that batting order. Mm -hmm. It really impacts his ability to contribute. Not that he won't be good, but 
his values really as the number two hitter, but I just don't see him wrestling that job away from Ozzie Albies. Uh, of course, there's Marcus Semien is available at shortstop, who I rank lower than Correa, but I'm not crazy about him either. But we were getting pretty close to a cliff. I've got these rankings that I use, the same ones I use to write the rankings I use for the site. And what you don't see in the site rankings is this big black bar that I have going in my shortstop rankings and all my position rankings because it's for in a 12, really in a 12 to 15 team league. I want my starting shortstop, regardless of whether I have a middle infield, my starting shortstop needs to be above this, this dark, heavy line. Got to be above it. And we got to the point where, you know, Dansby Swanson, I have above that line, but not because I want him there. It's because Nick wanted him there. Uh, <laughs> that, that hard line was coming. And I, I thought, okay, if I don't take Correa now, will Semien come back to me? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I got to jump Correa. And if Correa only plays 130 games, but performs at a high level, I can make up the rest. You know, there's not a middle infield here. So even with 14 teams, there are shortstops out there that can contribute, right? There are still ways for me to make up the remaining 30-ish games I need. So I, I felt really good about it. And because I was, I had such a stable hitting floor already set, I can take this risk and survive if it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. And technically, uh, Simeon did not would not have come back to you, but you don't know what would have happened uh, with other picks. You know, no, you no, stop right there! I was right! I was right! I was right! That never happens to me. I was right. You know, I do all this guessing, and I was right, and that made me feel even better about the Correa pick. So I'm going to take my little my little victory lap, my little pat on the back, and I thought if I don't take Correa here. I, like, if I don't take Correa, will Semyon come back? Or either one of them come back? Mm-hmm. And Were you second-guessing yourself big time or no? A little bit. I, mm-hmm. I would have I been bummed if mm-hmm. Semyon had come back. Because, you know, I, I really hadn't... One thing that happened was I didn't think that hard about who else I might take. Because I had Correa at the top of my board, and I thought, do I even consider anyone else, or do I have to do this? Mm-hmm. I thought, I think I have to do this, because if I don't, I bet him... And maybe the next guy go. And I like Correa more than I like Semyon uh, because that cliff we saw Semyon fall down last year. It's like I like Correa more, and I don't even know if I don't even know if they would both come back to me. One of them went for sure, so it was like maybe the other one would have two. I don't know where everyone else had Correa on their board. And all it takes is one other person, right? Yeah. This was yeah. a draft where this isn't about ADP. When you're with a bunch of people that you know are bright um, or that you know are you're very familiar with. You also have to know that ADP doesn't matter that much. Right. They're going to take the guys they want. They are not afraid Especially to reach team on players. as well. That's another thing. You're, you're drafting with a bunch of people that know what they're doing, but you, there's 13 other teams. So yeah. you, you, you got to go for the guy that you want sometimes and, and throw yeah, and the guy that I needed, quite frankly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the ninth round, you got us another 30 home runs in uh, Eddie Rosario Solid outfielder for the team from Cleveland, and uh, very happy with that pick. The, uh, some of the pitchers uh, that I that I tend to to focus on uh, went in this round as well: McCullers and Dylan Bundy and Alcantara. But getting another solid outfielder, even though there's only three that we rostered, now we have Ozuna and Eddie Rosario. Yeah, and so the one thing that happened here was I was actually really torn between Rosario and the guy who ended up going right next, which is Patrick Corbin. Mm-hmm. I was kind of torn, but I was like, you know, I, I still technically only have one outfielder. And while outfield is deep, I don't want to be digging through the barrel for two outfielders. Mm-hmm. Just one 
thank you. Right. Um, so I thought I better grab Eddie Rosario who has slipped much further than I thought he would. Uh, a guy who, you know, boring old steady Eddie who just keeps hitting 30 home runs and batting for a good average. Right. And who is going to bat in a nice spot in a lineup that isn't outstanding, but is top heavy. So it's not going like, to, the fact that the lineup isn't super deep, isn't going to affect Rosario's production because the top of the lineup is just fine. So I was, you know, I was pleased. I thought, all right, I've got two, I've got two outfielders who I rank well uh, that, you know, it's not like I'm, yeah, I felt I was exactly where I want to be. I've got Rosario as the 25th outfielder. That's a little higher than some others, but everyone around him was gone. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes when you're on your draft and you're crossing out the outfielders on your sheet, right. You'll start noticing that there's a guy on a little Island. I'm sorry, Wilson. Who all the guys around him are gone. And while his ADP actually in Yahoo suggested he might go later, I'm not concerned with that. I'm thinking if I don't get Rosario, who's the next best outfielder available. And I don't remember exactly who it was, but it was a big drop for me. It was into another tier, I think. So I thought this is the time I got to grab Rosario because I'm going to take a big hit. Like the next available outfielder is a considerable step down. Oh, so, so actually I do have those guys similar, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I forgot that Blackman was still out there. Uh, I knew it during the draft, but I'm I'm not crazy about Blackman. I personally have him. I rank him 23 on the site, uh, mm-hmm. but on my own list, uh, that's different than the one on the site. Those guys are are flipped around because mm-hmm. I'm very worried about what's going on in Colorado. I'm I'm worried about uh, just how that team's going to manage. There's two hitters on it that are any good. So we'll see. I, I would understand that, but either way, I needed to take one of those guys there, and I took the one I like better. I think if I had to choose, I think I'd, I'd go with what you did with Rosario. I mean, you like Blackman because you feel that he he might give you maybe 20, 20, 30 more points than Rosario. What are we thinking about Rosario, uh, Rosario, a 250, 260 hitter, and Blackman, can we still consider him maybe a 280 hitter? I mean, the course field, the one thing it does, people always think of it as this great power park, right? And it, it's huge. Course field is enormous. It's actually somewhat difficult to get balls to fly out, even though the air density is thinner and whenever balls fly further, course field has high outfield walls that are really far back. So you need that air density to be lower to get balls over that wall. What it really does is because of that expansive outfield, it boosts your batting average, right? So that's one of the reasons that Blackman's able to hit for such a high average, especially at home, because he gets to just crush, you know, crush the ball to these enormous power alleys. And the thing that I was thinking about yesterday that I sort of forgot about right now is that also, this is a weekly lineups league. Mm -hmm. So this is not a situation where uh, you can sort of play, you know, Oh, what are the matchups? Like you can look at the matchups, but you have to look at the entire week and the Coors effect is a positive and negative one. So Mm -hmm. Colorado hitters hit really well at home but struggle on the road, not because they're not good hitters and Coors is making them better. It's because the ball moves differently in Colorado than it does anywhere else because of the air density. So breaking pitches move less. So when they go from Colorado to San Francisco or Los Angeles and see a guy like Kershaw, not only is his breaking ball nasty, it's moving significantly further than anyone was able to make it go in Colorado because of the atmospheric conditions. Mm -hmm. So they can really struggle on the road. I don't have to worry about that because that's not what happens in Cleveland. 
right? <laughs> Cleveland's yeah, a yeah. regular old place. Yeah. And uh, Steady Eddie's a regular old guy. And he's going to be that consistent guy I wanted as my second outfielder. Yeah, great way of also explaining the Colorado effect, the course field effect. Round 10, you started a little bit of a, a mini run on catchers. You went Wilson Contreras. I did. And one of my favorite things to do is start runs. You don't want to be at the back of the run. You right. want to be at the top of the run. And I ended up, so I will say of all the picks in this draft, this is the one I regret the most, but not because of anything to do with Wilson Contreras. I really like Contreras. I think that he's going to get a lot of volume uh, because the there's not really another catcher in Chicago. Uh, there's, especially in Wrigleyville, there's, you know, his team is fine. He, he hits in a nice spot in the lineup. I was only bummed because Travis Darno went way, 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 way later. And I thought that there was going to be a catcher run and I was going to miss this block of catchers that I really like. So I thought, do I want to be at the start of the run or the back of the run? And I thought mm-hmm. I want to be at the start. So I made that decision. And while earlier in the draft, I'd made many correct calls about mm-hmm. what was going to happen. I missed this one. And Travis Darno, if I'm not mistaken, either Darno or Vasquez, one of those two, they go much, much later. No, no, Darno, went, uh, as far as I could tell, he went four picks later. Oh, only four? Oh, thank God. Yeah, yeah. There was somebody yeah, that yeah. went late. I, I'm sorry. I, I wish I That's remembered right. exactly who it was. There was another catcher that I liked that went very late because mm-hmm. there was a group of guys in this draft who all felt that, you know, like, oh, I can just wait forever on catcher. Mm-hmm. Like, I know Varsho went very, very late. He's not in the same tier for me, but mm-hmm. he did go very late. Um, Mitch Garver went very, very late. That's not in the same tier, but there was a lot of guys who were thinking I'm going to take catcher last. And there was more of them than I thought. And so I realized I probably could have gotten a little better value than I did, but also I like Wilson Contreras. So it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. You and I both also liked uh, Travis Darno and I don't have a problem going with uh, Wilson Contreras. Oh, It was, it was Vasquez. Vasquez goes at round 15, pick 201. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, mean, I realized a, that would have been great. Catcher league, you have uh, some people that would wait real late, which is a fine strategy as well. But look, you know, Wilson Contreras, we're talking probably about 25 home runs from the catcher spot. You know, I'll take it every time. Yeah. Yeah. On to round 11. And you took it. I think you took a chance on this one. You tell me what, what you were thinking with the Denilson Lamette. So I know that Lamette is probably going to start the season on the IL. Yes. That's that's probably a given. But two things about this league. Number one, we have four IL spots. Mm-hmm. So I can stream that position instead. Number two, I know that I'm already behind the eight ball a little bit on pitchers, not just in the numbers that I've drafted so far, which isn't a ton, but also because uh, you'll notice I just go, I've gone three consecutive rounds without a pitcher. Also, I'm behind because I don't analyze pitchers as well as some of the other guys in this league. I don't have an advantage there. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? I'm going to take some gambles, right? I'm not punting pitching. That's not all what's happening, happening here. But there's a reality where Denelson Lamette is a whole lot better than his 148 draft pick that I used mm-hmm. here. So I was all about it. I thought, you know, I've got some floor. I, I like my top three in terms of a floor, Ryu, Wheeler, uh, Snell. I, I think I've got floor there. Let's take a gamble because if this works out, I can really do a lot of damage in this league. And if not, you know, it's not like I'm doing this at round six, round seven, mm-hmm. right? This is pick 148. You you can get a little, your risk aversion can start shifting here, right? And, and that's exactly what it did for me is I started thinking, well, Let's, uh, you know, the guys left on the board are either boring or hurt. I'll take the one who's the most exciting, but hurt. 
and, and not hurt where I don't know when he's coming back. Like we know that there's a bit of a delay, but this isn't something we're like, we're going to see him at the all-star break. I, I do think he comes back earlier than that. So I agree. I agree. Uh, and look, you know, the Padres are, are babying him and I'm fine with that because they want to get the most that they can out of him this season. High, high ceiling. So in a 14 team league, Sometimes you need to make picks like this. You know, you got to take a chance, and uh, I, I'm okay with it. You know, so you move on to round 12, and you went with Jose Urquidy, who I love, especially where you got him in round 12. So give yourself some credit for being able to evaluate pitching. Yeah, right. Um, I, I used uh, there's this website out there. It's got this list of pitchers that um, this guy likes. I've used and- it before. Yeah, yeah. And this was the highest one <laughs> that that I liked, right? There might have been others, but they, I kind of crossed them off on my own list. So I was like, this is the highest one I like. I'll take him. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened here with Urquidy, especially because, again, I, I do need more pitchers here because I haven't drafted an elite one mm-hmm. uh, or a pair of elite ones. I know that I can take some risks, but I also need to just like sort of amass this middle tier of pitching a little bit. So again, that I can stay competitive. Right. I, I need to, you know, especially with Lamette not being able to start the season right away. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to need another pitcher or two right away to uh, to sort of gather up as many innings as I can early, knowing that I do intend to stream pretty heavily in terms right. of a couple of pitching spots. Unlike the normal Yahoo format, this is not the SP, SP, RP, RP, and then four pitchers. This is right. just a straight up eight pitchers. Mm-hmm. So um, I I get more flexibility on how I want to get those innings. And I'm not trying to hit a season long limit. I'm trying to hit a weekly limit of, I think, like 35, 40. So I was like, all right, I need a couple of starters to get there. And then, as you'll notice later in the draft, I'm going to load up on some relief pitchers yeah, yeah. Uh, to to get me the rest of those innings and, and other things that I need. So we're in round 13. So far, you've got a catcher in Contreras. you got your first baseman with Bellinger, second baseman's Lau. Shortstop Correa, third base Jose Ramirez, two outfielders in Ozuna and Eddie Rosario, and we've got five pitchers: Snell, Ryu, Wheeler, uh, Lamette, and Urquidy. And then round thirteen, you go pitcher again. And in this round, we've got three starting pitchers taken in this round that didn't pitch at all in twenty twenty. Uh, you took David Price, and then a few picks after that, uh, Marcus Stroman and Eduardo Rodriguez get taken. Yeah, and. I'm not going to sit here and say that I know something special about David Price uh, or anything like that. He's a guy that I've always liked. He's a guy that, uh, you know, his innings pitched limit is not a concern for me. So like, even if let's say Lamette was healthy starting the season, we're still worried about an innings cap, right? Cause he's had this sore elbow. He's coming off a shortened season. There's no way they're putting David Price on any kind of innings cap. What are they saving his arm for? Right? Right. Even the Dodgers, what, what do you, what do you build? Like, what are you worried about his long-term future? Like the guy's trying to win a world series again before he's done, right? Like just, just pitch the guy. Right. And, and that's what I like. I think I'm going to get good, decent volume out of there. Uh, especially because of how I've assembled this pitching staff. I need a uh, sort of an innings pitched anchor like that. Like not a pure volume guy. We're not talking about if Rick Purcello was on a team just getting innings. We're talking about good innings, but I, I think I've made a volume play here, despite the fact he didn't play last season. Mm-hmm. Round 14, you went with one of my uh, middle to late round faves, Nick Madrigal, and give you a good uh, batting average base as well as some stolen bases. 
Yeah. And really what he does is he gives me some flexibility, uh, for a little later in this draft because I haven't filled either of my two utility spots yet. And I still have an outfield spot open. And while I still think there's plenty of good hitters out there, uh, I don't want to keep waiting to fill all those spots. So by drafting Madrigal, I can actually use him in two ways. If I want to move Brandon Lau into the outfield, I can and insert Madrigal as my starting second baseman. And in a 14 team league, I am just fine with that. I love it. Yes. Right? I, I like, he, he gives me, he, because I haven't really drafted a lot of other speedsters, uh, he sort of between him and Ramirez, I'm getting stolen bases every week. So I'm not going to necessarily win the category, but I am competing in that category every week. He's got, and unlike other stolen base guys that you can often find at this point in the draft, he's not a drag on anything else but power. And I don't know if you noticed, I've got plenty of that. I don't yeah. care that he's only going to hit five home runs, right? Because mm-hmm. I've got Ramirez, Bellinger, Ozuna, yeah. Lau. Rosario, Correa, like I've got home runs. I don't mm-hmm. need those. Give me the other stuff. Give me that sweet, sweet floor and, and some stolen bases. Like the long ball. So okay. yeah, right. And uh, <laughs> but but you need the magicals in, right? You need <laughs> yes, a magical here and there. Yes. Um, I, I'm not worried about my batting average. Like that's just going to be sort of gravy that he's got a good batting average. But you know, I, I just I don't need the power. And there's still more power available. There's not mm-hmm. so much speed, and there's not so much what I call good speed. And magical was one of the last ones left, and I wanted it. Round fifteen. You went with Shohei Otani, and I actually was in the uh, uh, draft room, and I saw you write, you know, I, I made this pick with my heart. So, I mean, this is probably going to be the only share uh, uh, that I roster in fantasy of Shohei Otani, and I'm kind of excited that you took him in a way because, you know, part of playing in fantasy is uh, being exposed to fun kind of players. Now, Otani, obviously, a two-way player, pitcher, and batter. And he's going to be pitching in a normal rotation run. Like he used to pitch on Sundays. It used to be Sunday fun day with Otani. But it looks like the Angels are going to be using a six-man rotation. So what do you think? We're getting maybe three at-bats, uh, I mean, three days worth of hitting from him a week? Four maybe? Uh, probably four. Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes five, right? Especially if they ever have to like give him a break on the yeah. pitching side. We should note that this is Yahoo, so we're only talking about batter Otani here. Yes, right. Yes, we're not yes. talking about combo Otani. What before? When, yeah. earlier. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who I actually I wanted more than this one, but I I, <laughs> I I should have told you this, Joe. I went into the draft thinking I'm leaving with one of the Otanis. Oh, that's fine. I'm, that's le- fun. I'm doing that. Uh, and the thing about Otani is, even in a partial season, which we've seen him do before. He's still a very, very good hitter, right? Mm -hmm. Like 2020 was a bit of a struggle, but we've seen him steal bases. We've seen him crank home runs. We know we can hit for average. He's going to hit in the middle of this lineup. Um, And it's not like we have to worry about platoons too much because he's left-handed. So I'm a really big fan of what he can do with the plate. And I have open utility spots. I have two of them, right? This isn't Mm -hmm. like some 15-team league where I've only got the one utility spot and he's quote-unquote hogging it. Um, I've got two utility spots and I need to fill them. Otani's here. I like him as much as I like any of the other hitters in terms of like overall value. I've, I've got a strong base. So I get to take a little gamble here and fantasy baseball is supposed to be fun. Yeah. And rooting for Otani for me is fun. Yes. So I'm like, let's do it. You know, there, there's other guys I like maybe a little more from a purely strategic point, but I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing this for the joy, the laughter mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. watching Otani just crank a home run and knowing that it's helping me personally. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm here for. There you go. Batting 600 with four home runs this spring. So he's on fire. So I, I like the pick. And round 16, uh, A.J. Pollock, not one of my guys. I'm always concerned about his injury history, but 
when he's healthy, he's going to give you still, even I think he's 33 now, still give you 20 to 25 home runs, 10 to 12 stolen bases. I needed an outfielder, and he's not terrible. <laughs> that says it all, right? <laughs> that's that's where we're at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. David Fletcher in the 17th round. Every fantasy team, I feel, needs kind of like a, a Swiss Army knife type player like him, whether it's a high-end guy like DJ LeMayhew or a mid-range guy like Mac Muncy, especially with COVID still lurking around. Yeah, and he's he can play everywhere except first base and pitcher mm-hmm. and Yahoo because mm-hmm. uh, they don't have two-way players. So with Fletcher, look, the way I've built this team, if you've been paying attention, it's okay if you haven't. I'll tell you anyway. Uh, <laughs> I know that I'm going to need those bench spots to stream and bring in more and more pitching. That means I can't afford to have a bunch of bench spots devoted to hitters to put in on a backup basis, right? Especially in a weekly league, like a weekly lineups league where I'm not trying to manage the hitters every day. I'm only doing it once. So I've already got the guys that are probably going to start there every single time. And if one of them goes down, I have a guy that can fill all of those positions because the way it works Mm -hmm. out, even though uh, he can't play first base, I already have two guys that can play first base between Brandon Lau and Cody Bellinger. So in theory now I have, I'm at least two deep at every position in the infield first, second, third, fourth, or first, second, third, short, Uh, and I've got an extra outfielder here. So if I want to run a deep bench, all going for hitting, that means I need a guy like a David Fletcher, or if I'd want to do it earlier, uh, Tommy Edmond, who can fill like all of those roles at once and be the one backup I need so that I'm not forced to add a hitter just because one guy goes down. I've got another one if I need it Mm -hmm. and I can still try to focus on getting in pitchers who can help me win pitching that week because I feel like my hitting is is quite good where it is. And when Fletcher goes in, not a ton of power, not a ton of speed, but a little bit of everything and a whole bunch of runs and batting average. Okay. So at this point, the next three rounds, you tackle the relievers. So Because at this point, unless I, I miss someone, we don't have any saves. But round 18, 19, and 20, you, you fix that. And don't forget 22 and 23. Right? No, I so, know. Yeah, yeah. My, because I know you know, want to talk about Scooball too. Right? Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. we're going to make room for talking about Tarek Scooball. All right. If I'm on a podcast, we are, the name's coming up. All right. But so, like, again, after I take David Fletcher, I realize I don't need to take another hitter if I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And I don't. Right. I actually say, okay, I don't have any saves and I have more pitching spots to fill, but I can keep grabbing them. Right. So I just basically take a bunch of guys who are in a sort of like maybe are trying to, we're trying to find out who's going to close for those teams. The first mm-hmm. one I take is Chris Martin. The reason for that is I really like the way he's performed the last few years. And also there's a pretty decent chance he becomes a closer because if Atlanta was only focused on talent for closers, Will Smith would have been the closer ages ago, but they kept not doing that. Now I'm not saying Chris Martin is like, it is Mark Melanson because Mark Melanson has a lot more career saves than Chris Martin. But once you get past that, they're real similar players, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're these veteran guys, very stable, have pitched in the back end of bullpens before, and they can let Will Smith be their fireman type, and Chris Martin can close. That's the scenario in my head that I'm thinking of. And if that doesn't work out, who cares? This is pick 245. I can move on, right? But there's a chance he's the closer. And if he is the closer, he's a very, very good one. Even if he's sharing the job, right? I only I need enough least, staves. At least I think he will. Yeah. And I only need enough saves to be competitive and I can cobble those together. Cause again, even the best closers like Josh Hader don't necessarily get a whole bunch every single week, Mm -hmm. right? Because 
saves are a game situational thing. And if your team goes on a mini losing streak, you might not get any saves, even though you've got the best closer. And the saves refresh every week. I only need to be competitive on a week-to-week basis. And the way I do the rest of this draft, I can do that. It's going to be tight, but I can do it. Yep. And uh, round 19, Jake McGee, another guy who's going to get some saves for the Giants. Uh, I think also Reyes Maranta and Tyler Rogers are going to pick up some saves there. Drew Pomerantz for the Padres, he's going to be getting some save opportunities as well. Picked him up in round 20. And here's your chance. Round 21, Scoobal. Do I pronounce his name correctly? Scoobal? Tarek Scoobal. Scoobal, okay. Scoobal. Um, I used to pronounce it wrong too, but I, you know, I, I'm over it now. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Tarek Scoobal. I'm a Tigers guy. Uh, as, as we've mentioned many times before, and I'm a huge fan of what he's done. He's been electric this spring. Um, just absolutely mowing down hitters. He showed off this new splitter that he's throwing. Mm-hmm. Love that. Um, all over that. And quite frankly, again, he may not make the rotation to start the year, right? They they don't necessarily have room for him and Mize. I think it's Scooble that stays up and not Mize. But either way, again, we're talking about pick 288. And we've got a bunch of pitchers around. It's not like I'm taking him over an established pitcher, right? Like there's there's not a whole lot left in the draft pool at pick 288. So I'm going to take a guy who's been great this spring who has a chance to make this rotation and be electric when he does and who I really, really, really like, you know, I've got a little stack of his baseball cards right to my right. I've got this little framed one. I'm not trying to sound weird, but you guys can't see it, but I'm showing it. Joe, I've got this, I've got this framed one. He's got this high leg kick uh, lefty. I, I just like everything about him. And this was my chance to make sure I get him. Uh, especially because again, I, I do want to talk a little bit about McGee and Pomeranz, not specifically, but in that mm-hmm. I am taking guys who I think could get saves but also importantly, aren't um, ratio bombs, right? Like these are guys that put up decent ratios. Even if they don't get me saves, they're probably not going to hurt me. I only take one guy who I think ultimately could be that way. Like it's just a saves play. We'll talk about him because it's my final pick. But mm-hmm. um, cause, but I I intentionally pick guys. So after Scooble, I'll, I'll steal it from you again, Joe. I take Adam Adovino, who could very easily win this job in Boston. And be the closer. Matt Barnes isn't oh, yeah. some like lockdown established closer. If he struggles at all, or if Adovino does what he has done in some years past and be utterly dominant, Red Sox, it's not like he's got arbitration years coming where they have to keep his salary down, right? Mm-hmm. Like Adovino is, is an older veteran pitcher. They could just put him out there, make him like let him be the guy in the ninth. And he could get a lot of saves. If he doesn't, I can either cut him or use him as a ratio play if he's pitching well. But again, yeah. I'm at a point now where. If you're planning on your 22nd round pick to be on your roster for the whole season and it's not a draft and hold league, you're out of your mind. That's not how this works. Mm-hmm. These guys are going like they might, and that'd be cool, but there's a very good chance they don't. And if I have to cut out of Vino, I'm not going to look back at my draft and think if I hadn't taken out of Vino in the second to last round, I could have won this league. Like that's, that's never going to happen. That's simply not the way this works. So I, I was very happy to take him there. And so now I've got, Four, and with my final pick, you don't mind me stealing again. Sure, I've got Daniel Bard, the mm-hmm. who's been named the closer in Colorado. The ratios yeah. aren't at all what they are for some of these other guys, like Adovino, Pomeranz, McGee, Martin. But he had decent ratios last season, and it's one of the best feel-good stories in baseball, right? Like he was actually working on the bench for a team, not like yeah. as a pitcher. Like he was, he was part of the coaching staff for a team, and 
out of nowhere, he's like, you know what? I think I can still pitch. I'm watching these guys pitch. I can still pitch. So he goes over to the Rockies, gets a chance. They bring him on. And, you know, at that point, that's when all the places are like, oh, look at this feel-good story. He made the team. He made the team. Well, he sticks around on that team and ends up becoming the closer. It's not a good team. It's the Rockies, right? Like, notoriously not. (laughs) But he still, he became the closer, and he's going to be the closer again. They have no reason to let anyone else do it. Even if he's not that good, they'll let him do Mm -hmm. it. So I'm not usually crazy about these closers who are also potential category bombs because saves is only one category and ERA and whip are two. So if he's hurting you in two and helping you in one, he's not actually helping you, but there's a chance that his ratios aren't bad and I can get a bunch of saves that I didn't have earlier. Uh, and also again, if he doesn't, what do I, I cut him at pick yeah. 316 and, and be fine. So I've cobbled together saves potentially. I, I'm not going to start all these guys every week. And because it's a weekly lineups league, I can't just start all of them, mm-hmm. but uh, I can pick and choose. I can just basically look at their schedules and say, whose there matchups do I like the best? Hey, mm-hmm. look, Bard is, um, you know, on the road and you know, he's, he's got some weaker opponents. Let's throw them in. Let's throw them in. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's Colorado's diamondbacks. I think the diamondbacks are better than the Rockies, but the Rockies can steal a couple there. You know, he's got, yeah. you know, and then maybe he's got like a road trip over to like Pittsburgh, like the ideal situation, right? I'm like, the Rockies might be better than the Pirates. Let's go Daniel Bard, right? But I've got guides that I can pick and choose and put in. And if some of my starters aren't available, I can just use another reliever to mm-hmm. get some innings, to get some saves, and just keep myself competitive in those pitching categories. Yeah. I mean, anytime you could grab someone who's projected to get 20 plus saves in round 23, the last round of your draft. Yeah, I mean, you've done a great job. So kudos to you. Like you said, Daniel Bard, great feel-good story. When Hacks and Jacks wins the Pitcherless Podcast Network Championship, uh, I'm glad that he'll be able to wear a ring along with you and I. Are you, are you implying he can't get one in Colorado, Joe? Is that... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, Season's young, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, overall, I, I love how you drafted the team. Great job. I felt like I was put in good hands with you uh, drafting this team, except you didn't draft any Yankees. And you got to pay attention to John Sterling, right? You need to have Yankees on your fantasy team because the Yankees win. Yankees win. The Yankees win. What happened to no Yankees? You know, to be fair, it's not as though I I was trying to avoid Yankees. I had no beef with Yankees. You know, I could have taken one in the first round. I chose not to. Uh, that that was. It's actually because not only was I like not really caring if they were Yankees or not. There were several people in the draft, including this dude named Nick Pollock, who no, he's very big, much yes. cared yeah, if a yeah, guy yeah, was a yeah. Yankee and wanted to get him. So there's actually several other Yankees fans in the room. They were just grabbing him up. I had no chance. I thought about it, like especially as we got late, but there just wasn't weren't any Yankees there that I wanted to take, especially in a batting average league. If this had been like OBP, I, I might've tried to steal like Aaron Hicks just to make you happy. But, uh, <laughs> those, oppor- those <laughs> well, opportunities think, didn't Nick come took up. Aaron Hicks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I those opportunities. I mean, all, all the best of luck to him in a batting average mm-hmm. league for mm-hmm. somehow the most boring third hitter. Aaron Hicks is a good hitter, but in terms of like saying this guy bats third for the Yankees in a fantasy perspective, he doesn't put up the numbers you'd expect for a guy right. hitting third in that lineup. And I can't really explain why, but he doesn't. So because probably because he's a very good on base guy, but not so much a great hitter. So mm-hmm. whatever. But yeah, I wasn't able to get any. I, I only took one Red Sox if that helps at all. And it's mm-hmm. one who nah, fit our team contact. So it's not like, you know, I, I didn't I didn't I wasn't terrible about it, but it was it was fun. I'm excited to see how this team plays out because 
this draft relies a lot on management mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. But uh, I, I think the last thing I'd say about this team is drafting isn't just about taking the best player on the board because that like winning, like winning the draft value at the end of the draft isn't worth any fantasy points. It's worth zero zilch. And the concept of value is sort of silly. Cause like these guys all like these, these podcasts all have good draft boards. Sure. I'm not so vain to think, and I'm stealing this idea from Rudy Gamble over Rasball. I'm not so vain to think that I know so much more about baseball than these other guys that I can always get the best players at the best times. That's simply not how this works. But I did pick teams that I felt comfortable managing and that I thought were going to give me good stats. And, and that's really, at the end of the day, I'm looking at this team thinking, I know how I can manage this and it is in my wheelhouse. I don't know a lot about starters, but I love relievers. Mm-hmm. I'm tracking that all the time. feel like I can manage that. I really liked how I was able to attack hitting and take a guy like David Fletcher late, who I like filling into any position. And I'm still able to take a, a pure heart pick and a guy like Shohei Otani. Cause I think he can perform. And if he, you know, if he's not great, that's okay. He's not taking up the only utility spot. I've got two of them. Mm-hmm. A lot of ways this team can win. A lot of ways this team can, can do what I want it to do. And in the places that I'm weaker, I still feel I can be competitive. That makes me yeah. happy. I've got. Oh, I've got it's definitely going to be a competitive team. You know, even as I was, you know, stepping into the draft room here and there, you know, the Yahoo has this function where it allows you to see what your standings might be, and you were always top four, top five. So I think this is going to be a very, very competitive team. We're going to manage it carefully. We're going to work the waiver wire. I believe are there trades uh, allowed in this league? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we oh, can trade if we need fun. to. That is going to be fun. <laughs> Trading with the other podcasts. So kudos to you. Great job there. And uh, so how many, you know, as we close out, we have another, what, week and a half of drafts left. How many do you have left? Any? I don't know. Probably mm-hmm. three, mm-hmm. four. Yeah, I I, I'm in three of them right now. Although one's finally, I'm sorry, I'm in four. Mm-hmm. I'm in four, mm-hmm. but one of them is a three-sport draft. That's the Hopefully. league, the League of Leagues draft. That one's really insane, but you know, it, it, still a lot of drafts left, but that's what I signed up for It's this sure. time of year. Get excited. It's, yeah. it's draft season. And for many people, like it, it's really kicking up. I've been in draft season for like a month now, but you all are starting to get to feel, feel the energy, the excitement. Yes. It's draft season. There's never a time to be more excited about fantasy baseball than right now. Cause none of your hopes and dreams are shattered yet. They're just being <laughs> built, right? right? Yeah. Like and, that's the key. This, yeah. this is when you can just, you can be sitting on top of the world like, oh, I drafted a great team. Don't worry about what's going to happen later. Like that, It could all fall apart. It doesn't matter. You th- That won't take the joy you had here in March. Keep that with you forever. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to – I've expanded my horizons there, Scott, because in all the years I've played fantasy, this is the first year that I'm going to be involved in an auto-new auction draft. So you said you did one. Did you do one on a specific platform or had you, how did your league handle it? I, uh, there are, there's a lot of things about out of new. I don't know. This is my first year doing it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I highly recommend, uh, one of our writers actually, Chad Young is mm-hmm. one of the co-inventors of out of new. So, uh, you know, especially if you're in the pitcherless discord and you're not a new, please ping him. We've also got Jordan white. He's a big out of new guy. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about out of new, um, you draft right on the site for out of new, you do the auction right on their site. So I mm-hmm. recommend jumping over there to try to get used to it. It's a really fun, very interesting, very deep format to, to really sink your teeth into. Mm-hmm. And it terrifies me to death. <laughs> well, I look forward to it. You got to, you know, stretch your horizons and, and 
get exposed to different things. So, Scott, great job. And I uh, want to thank you all for allowing us to visit with you. We hope you were informed and entertained. That's always our goal. You can follow me at Joe Galina. Follow Scott at If the Chew Fits. Follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. And if you follow at Pitcher List Pods, you'll be informed every time that there's a new episode of uh, any of the podcasts on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. Uh, obviously, uh, you know that our podcast comes out every Monday. Please visit Apple Podcasts and subscribe to Hacks and Jacks. Leave us a stellar five-star review. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. Good luck with your drafts this week. Have fun with them, and we'll see you next time. 